Hey, good morning, everyone. You guys doing great? God's mercy is new every morning. That means today, guys, God has a new thing for us, right? Isn't that exciting? Aren't you glad to be in church? Yeah. We live in Colorado Springs where it's always cold. So, um, not always, but uh, in the wintertime, generally pretty cold. And my daughter was born in Austin. My wife's from Austin. And um, I'm from eastern New Mexico. And we, we landed a couple days ago. And uh, my daughter, we got out of the airport. And my daughter goes, ooh, just smell that beautiful Texas air. And so we woke up this morning, walked outside. Man, feel this Texas air. It's great. So um, sorry about the cold weather that we sent you guys a few weeks back. We won't do it again. Now, my name's Joshua Bold. Um, Josie introduced my wife, Bev, and we've been married for almost 16 years. We have two kids, Haven and Honor, nine and six years old. And I hopefully they're watching online. So hi, guys. We love you. And today's my dad's 67th birthday. So we're here visiting them and get to fellowship with you guys. This is very cool. Brad and Josie have been one of those couples that have been instrumental in our lives right after I got saved. In fact, I was talking with Josie earlier this morning. I was a drug addict, a meth user, and maybe a meth dealer. I think I was more of a user than a dealer. And then in 2005, I was completely miserable, completely alone, and broken. And God met me in my apartment in Silver City, New Mexico one night. And uh, showed me Psalms chapter 8. I had been given a Bible by my dad for Christmas. And I kept it, but I didn't read it. And I had it on my desk right next to my uh, bong, actually. Had a water bong there. And, uh, but um, I was really miserable one night. And I opened my, and I grabbed this Bible kind of in desperation and flipped it open to Psalm chapter 8. And it says, Who our Lord, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in the heavens and the earth. You made everything that we see. You made the, uh, the earth and the heavens and everything in it. You made the angels and then you made man a little bit lower than the angels. And then it says, who is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you would visit him. And in that moment, it sh- the Lord just kind of invaded my apartment and started to change my life that day. The next week, I went to visit my ex-girlfriend, Bevan, who was living in Mexico in an orphanage and uh, saw all of these kids who had joy and nothing, and I have no joy, but I'm driving a Corvette and carrying a stack of $100 bills, and I knew something's got to change in my life. I'm very unhappy. I'm very afraid. I'm very lonely. No one trusts me. My relationships are broken. Something's got to change. And then that next week... I was invited to a men's event like what you guys are going to have on Friday. Come to this uncommon men's event, man. Let God ignite your hearts together as men and do a new thing in your families and your community. And I went to this men's event and I saw all these men worshiping God. Real men. Not like, you know, we used to call them cake eaters. Not these soft guys, but these real men, you know, worshiping God. And they were crying and and I'm like man if these guys can worship him he's got to be a God that could work for me too 
And I prayed. I said, Lord, I've always heard that you can save. Jesus, I've always heard Jesus saves. But I thought that meant I have to be a Christian. But if you'll save my life, save me from the life I've got here, I'll give you everything. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll go wherever you tell me to go. My life is yours. And guys, it's like in one moment, this backpack of sin that I had been carrying for 10 years is heavy. My eyes were dark. My thoughts were dark. I was a criminal. In one moment, boom, he just came and delivered me, set me free from addiction. In one moment, a 10-year addict became a new creation in Christ. He filled me with his love. Amen. I'm always so overwhelmingly thankful for that. And I believe he can do that for anybody in any circumstance, in any situation. There are families hurting today. Maybe your loved ones are struggling with addiction or you yourself have been in a prison, a cycle, a pattern of addiction to a substance, to an idea, um, to a process, anything. God can set you free in one moment. He desires for you to have his freedom. And since then, we've been able to serve him, go to Bible school. But I was talking with Josie earlier this morning. Right after I got delivered, I moved back to New Mexico. I was getting ready to go to Bible college, and they had a Super Bowl party at their house in New Mexico. And it was the first party gathering I ever went to sober in 10 years. And there were all these Christians there watching the Super Bowl together. I'm like, so what do we do here? I didn't know. Like, you just eat a lot, I guess. And, but it was great. They were great in, a great influence on us. They've been an influence in and through our ministry and throughout the years. It's been amazing how God's woven us together. And I believe he's continuing to do that. And he's weaving his church together to accomplish something that's so much bigger than anything we can ask or think. And you know, I believe that this season that the church has been in, it hasn't been dormant. This has been a season of preparation for what God's going to do in the earth. You know, it's like, it's like a, a bow. The further you pull it back, the further and faster that arrow is going to shoot. And man, I believe the church has been in a season of preparation. And I just want to speak this over uncommon. I believe that God is causing this to be a community of multiplication. I believe that this building is a place of multiplication. It's moving uh, beyond this city. Um, Even as I've been studying multiplication early this year, the Lord's been speaking to me about this facility um, being debt-free, which is not in my interest at all. But I believe the Lord wants to eliminate any type of debt over this place. And then he's going to use it as a seed to multiply to the nations. Um, So, could go on about that for a long time. But I want to share with you about God's heart for you this morning. And I want to talk to you about vision. Vision always precedes victory. Vision is never something that happens after victory. Now, Jesus is seated in a place of victory, and he's seated far above everything. Principalities, powers, thrones, rulers, darkness, everything that we can see or that is made in the, in the world that we see or the world that's unseen. Jesus is higher than all of those things. And he sees from that perspective. And he has a kingdom vision for our life individually, for our lives as his church, and he wants to see it come to pass. He wants to use you for great things. Isn't that exciting? 
And so I want to talk to you about those things today. So at AIMS, what we do, um, in fact, if you want to connect to us, our website is aims.org. Our uh, social media handle is Instagram, or I'm sorry, is aims.missions. I don't even know how to log into that, so I'm sorry. I'm not very good at those things. But we have a great Instagram and Facebook page where you can connect to what God's doing in the nations. But what we do is we, we see in the earth today that there are over 3 billion people who have never even heard the name Jesus. They've never met a Christian. They've never darkened the doors of a church. There's probably not a church within 100 miles of most of them. If they had a dream about Jesus, there's no one they could talk to about it. They've never held a Bible. You don't want to live where they live. This is the darkest places on the planet. In their lives and in the parts of the world where these people live, exists 86% of the world's poorest of the poor. Over 80% of chronic disease, illiteracy, major social issues, um, things that are able to be overcome but aren't because of darkness reigning in these regions. They, these things exist among the unreached of the world. And we believe that this is a time to say enough is enough. There's more than enough Christians in the earth, we have more than enough resource, and it's time for us to see the gospel preached and the kingdom of God come among every nation, tribe, tongue, language, family, and individual on the planet in this generation. Amen? Amen. Do you know, it's so easy to talk about the nations, but I, I just, today I hope that the kingdom of God will come in a greater measure in your life. I've been praying... Uh, as we were preparing to come here and the Lord started speaking to me some things about this church and some things that he wants to do. You know, one thing he wants to do is he wants to return joy. Not like, hee hee, little bit of joy. I'm talking like, ha ha ha, big joy. Right? Psalm chapter 16, verse 11 says, in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. Some of you are in, you trickled in this morning. You came like dragging into church this morning. The Lord wants to give you abundant joy. In fact, I'm a messenger of joy this morning. I'm full. I'm covered in the oil of joy. And if you need a little bit, I'll just, just come rub elbows with me. I'll rub off on you. But the Lord wants to fill this place with joy. This is a house of joy. Amen. He wants to make the truth of your salvation new again. See, David, King David, he had made a huge mistake and he had gone far from the Lord. And then he came and he prayed this prayer. He cried out to God in Psalm 51. And he said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. And then he goes on and he says, return the joy of my salvation to me. And then my response will be, I'm going to tell sinners about your love and your goodness. See, there's a joy in our salvation in Christ. The salvation of Christ means that we don't have to carry heavy burdens. If we're heavy laden, we can bring them to him and he'll give us his rest, his peace. Amen. That we don't have to worry about anything. That we can offer things to him in prayer with thanksgiving. And let the peace that passes understanding guard our hearts and our mind. We can have joy in our salvation. Amen. Amen. And some of you, your salvation, it got a little stale. It's like those five-day leftovers that we've had. But we don't want to go to the grocery store with a mask on again. So we risk eating those leftovers, those leftover enchiladas. 
Everybody in the room can identify with me right now, right? But we don't have a leftover salvation. We have salvation that's fresh and new every day. So he wants to return that joy to you. Amen? He wants to change our perspective. Bring us up into heavenly seats in the grandstands of, of his eternal reality. Change our perspectives. One thing that he spoke to me is that he just wants to make all things new. In your marriage, he wants to make all things new. In your relationships with your family and your children, he wants to make all things new. He's a God of newness. The word of God says that we can walk in newness of life. Amen? And so those are things that I believe that God has prepared for us here in this room today. But this morning, as we're talking about nations and about missions, I want to address you as a missions mobilizer. See, what we do is we get to travel around the world and work with native leaders in North Africa and the Middle East and Central and Southeast Asia in places that many people never get to go. We get to go meet these amazing men and women who say, yes, Lord, use us to reach these unreached groups in our region. And we train them, and then we partner with them and help develop strategies to carry the gospel in a very practical way to these unreached groups. The sad thing is that in the world today, there are over 3,000 unreached ethnic groups. We call them unreached people groups. Of those people... Almost 50 to 60,000 people die every day. They never even heard the name Jesus. And the very tragic thing about that church is that we could change that. There's one Christian for every seven unreached people. There's a thousand churches on the planet for every one unreached people group. So why aren't they reached? Well, because I'm not doing it fast enough. Or because Pastor Brad's preaching isn't good enough. I don't, sometimes we like to shift, shift the responsibility to other people, but the truth is they're not reached because we, as individuals, haven't decided that we'll reach them in this generation. But if we decide, if we say yes, we could see the nations shake with the presence of God. We could see the captives delivered in multitudes. We could see the kingdom of God established in the darkest places of the world become like this beautiful, bright light wall over here. Amen? So I want to talk to you about that today. In Acts chapter 1, we read the story of how Christ died and he raised from the dead. And after he raised from the dead, he taught with, he taught. Uh, he appeared to over 500 people to prove that he was risen so that we'd have a historical proof of his resurrection. And then the Bible says that he ascended up into heaven. Before he ascended, he spoke to his disciples and he said, I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem until the pro promise of the Father has come upon you. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be witnesses of me in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now he was talking to you. He wants to give you his power 
I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I have his power. I don't think you believe that. I have his power. Wow. You have the power of the creator living inside of you. And you got all of three decibels out there. What if we knew we had the power of the creator God working in our lives every day? What if the promise of the Father was so real that we were a witness everywhere we went? That the world didn't have to ask us what we believed because they saw his presence radiating from our lives. What if our children didn't have to question our religion because our relationship was so evident to them by how we worship, by how we serve, by how we commune with the Holy Spirit? You have his power to be a witness. So Jesus came and he rose and he ascended into heaven and he left his disciples with this tremendous command and gift. The gift of his presence and the command to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. Now these were Jews living in Jerusalem, so if he was talking to you, he would say, I want you to reach Euless, DFW, even all of Texas, as hard as these Texans are. But you could be a witness into the furthest reaches of the planet. People with a radically different religion, language, and culture. He's empowered you to do that. But now I want you to go with me in this idea, okay? You're not going to read this in Acts chapter 1. This is the Joshua Bold version of what happened. So Jesus ascends up into heaven, right? And when he gets there, he breaks through the gates. And he says, I'm back. And all the angels and the saints and those people who've gone before, they're all gathered in anticipation. And this roar of applause breaks out. He's back. He's done it. He did it. And he grabs out of, his, out of his clothes, he grabs the keys to sin and death. And he holds them up in his nail-pierced hands. And says, I've done it. I've overcome. Sin and death have no power any longer. And they're shouting and cheering him on. And he walks up to the throne of the Father God. And he sits down at the right hand at his rightful place. Amen? Does that, does that get you excited? Yeah. See, that position means that death, sin, no longer has power over our lives. It means my dad gets a new set of lungs. It means, that, it means our friends are delivered from addiction. It means that poverty can't reign in our homes any longer. It means that, that religious strongholds are broken and people are set free to freely worship and know God. Amen? So go with me for a second, though. So Jesus is sitting there, and so Michael and Gabriel and the other angels, they come up, and they're like, so Lord, tell us all about it. So now every person on the planet is worshiping you as their Lord, God, and King. And he's like, oh, no, 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 not even close. There's like a billion people on the planet. I only talk to 500 that even know I'm risen from the dead. Oh, okay, we got it, we got it. But these 500, they're all the kings of every nation, right? No, 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 no. Lots of them are women. People don't even listen to them. And uh, there's, some of them are kids. We got a couple guys. I got, you know, like 120 that are pretty devoted. And they're like, okay, okay, 120. Now these are doctors and lawyers, right? He's like, no, 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 no. 
they're mostly villagers and fishermen. Um, the angels are starting to get kind of concerned. And they're like, yeah, but like, you've got some great leaders there, right? He says, yeah, well, I got these 12 guys. Now make it 11, make it 11. <laughs> so Michael and Gabriel are kind of confused. They're like, you said it was finished. And so they gather up and they say, well, Lord, we're, we're really excited about these 11 guys. And the 120 that are pretty devoted and the 500 that you talk to, we're pretty excited about that. But just curious, what's your plan B? And he says, I have no plan B. See, you, in communion with the Spirit of God, Him working through your life, that's His plan. And He has no plan B. He's chosen you. He loves you. He adores you. He's offering you his spirit and commanding you to be a witness. And today, there's an earth, there's a world right outside these doors waiting on you. And there is no plan B. There's a family waiting for you to demonstrate the love of God. And there is no plan B. There's a community that needs restoration and unity and there is no plan B. And there are three billion people who will never hear the gospel unless we say, yes, Lord, and there is no plan B. So I want to talk to you about getting vision for what God wants to do. New eyes. You know, I was praying this morning early this morning before we came and we're staying in a hotel and, and, and uh, so I went down to the lobby to get some coffee early this morning and, and right when I went into the lobby, there was new, two different news stations on, one in the lobby area and one in the coffee room. There was just all of the terrible news and I thought, it felt like this assault on my time with the Lord. I started feeling like, oh my Lord, I'm so sorry I even came down here. Let me just get back to, to this time in your presence. And I realized that how, how um, tactical the enemy is to steal our vision, to steal our attention, to distract us so that we can't see what God's trying to do. So that we can't hear what he's speaking to our hearts. Helen Keller, famous author, uh, teacher. She was born blind, deaf, and, and couldn't speak. Yet she wrote books and conducted lectures in universities. What a hero she was. And she said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. That's coming from a blind woman, guys, saying, gosh, I pity people who have no vision. See, Paul, he was a leader in his society. He was very influential. But to become who God needed him to be, he had to be blinded. God knocked him off of his horse. He was blind for several days. And then God sent a man and scales fell off of his eyes. Gave him new sight. He started to see the world the way that he needed to. And then he wrote in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, I pray, I beseech the Lord, to open up your eyes 
enlighten the understanding of your heart so that you can see the things God needs you to see, so that you can do the things he has planned for you to do. You are created unto good works. You are his masterpiece. But you got to see it. you got to see the way he needs you to see. See, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Jesus was with his disciples. Now, he had lived a sinless life. The Word of God said he's, says he grew in knowledge, wisdom, and stature. He became an influencer. People referred to him as teacher. He was baptized in the Jordan River and the Lord confirmed Jesus as his son with a voice from heaven that said, this is my son. I love him. I'm proud of him. He had been confirmed in every way. But it wasn't good enough for what God wanted to do. And then in Matthew 9, it says, Jesus traveled throughout the towns and the villages. Verse 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion on them because they were confused. They were confused. They were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And he said, Lord God, what do I do? And the Lord says, tell them to pray to the Lord of harvest that he would thrust out his people into the harvest because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So when we think of power, oftentimes we think of people like Pastor Brad. I know when I want to preach, I remember, I'll never forget the first time I heard Pastor Brad do an altar call. Or hearing you speak at a Rescue Her event uh, years back. Thinking, oh my gosh. These people are like dripping wet with anointing. And I'm just this reckless moron. <laughs> you know, I'll never believe, I'll never uh, forget the first time I heard Pastor Brad invite someone into a relationship with Jesus. Most beautiful altar message I've ever heard. He's still one of my top three preachers. Um, and uh, so we always think of God using these great people that are handsome or beautiful or influential or wealthy or they have a, a microphone or they have a suit or they have a stadium full of people. But Jesus is saying, pray that he'll thrust you out into the harvest. See, he, was, he told his disciples, pray for the vision to see things the way I say, see things and that the Lord would thrust workers into the harvest because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And the next verse says, says that he sent those people that he was telling to pray, he sent them out two by two. See, Jesus wants us to pray and get his vision so that we can see things the way that he sees things. I'm blown away at John chapter 4 because Jesus meets with the Samaritan woman. And he's, he meets with this woman at the well who was a sinner. Guys, she had totally messed up. But he encountered her with his love. And he told her things about her life that only God could know. And then she ran into her village and told them all about it. And people came out and it started a move of God. But in John chapter 4 verse 34, Jesus says... 
Guys, his disciples come in the middle of this God encounter. And they're saying, Lord, here's some bread. Here's some food. Why don't you eat? Why don't, you, why don't, why don't we distract you from what God's wanting to do right now? And Jesus says, my satisfaction, my food comes from not just knowing the will of God. Not just the revelation of God's love for me. He says, my satisfaction comes from doing the will of God and from finishing his work. But he had to know it. He had to see it before he could do it. So we need God's power and his vision. I spoke with a young lady recently and she said, God saved me from a terrible history, a terrible background, but I, I don't have vision. I don't have a dream. See, having been an addict, I still like to work with, with people uh, who are stuck in these cycles of addiction and, and destruction. It's my, my joy to see them set free. And um, it's just so crazy how the deeper we get into the, the prison of sin and addiction or, you know, and it can be pornography, it can be uh, greed, it can be uh, meth, heroin, it can be uh, lust, you know, whatever it is. It can be depression or anxiety. These cycles that become bigger and bigger and worse and worse and the pits that grow deeper and deeper that God wants to pull us out of. See, when the deeper we get into these things, the more and more he robs us of our vision. And this woman said, I've been set free. I know I'm new. I know I'm free from addiction, but man, I need God's vision. Well, I want to just share with you this, this idea of vision because I believe it's what God wants to do his work in the earth today. And a church full of vision is unstoppable. See, Peter and John... They were disciples of Jesus. John was young. Peter was a married man. He was probably the lead guy. But they had both messed up bad when Jesus died. They had left him high and dry. And then he came and he restored them. He taught them. He spent time with them before he ascended. And then he get, sent them his spirit. We read in Acts chapter 3 an account of Peter and John right after they received the spirit of God. Now, they had healed with him. They had fed uh, bread and fish that was multiplied. They had seen him walking on water. What more do you need? You need his vision. You need his spirit. And so they had received that. We read the story, the account of the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God came upon the 120 that were gathered in the upper room. And then they went out from that place full of the Spirit of God. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 3 that Peter and John were going to pray in the temple. Two Jewish guys that did that regularly going to a place that they went very normally. For us, that's like they went to the Walmart off of I-20 over here. You know, like that's how regular of an occurrence it would be for them. Or Target or whatever your thing is. Costco if you're a real bulk buyer. Um, so they went in to pray at the temple. And it says that there was a man lame from birth. Sitting on the, at, the, at the door. The beautiful gate. Where they were walking up the stairs to go in and pray. There was a man who had been there. Placed by his family there every day of his life. To beg for money. Now these guys had gone through this gate. Through this door. 
multiple times in their life, right? But this day was different. This day they had vision. And the word says that, they, that Peter fixed his eyes on this man, that he saw him. For the first time. Walked by him multiple times. But this day he saw him. And he looked at the man. And the man's begging. And he stinks guys. Beggars in this part of the world. They don't have handicapped restrooms. They don't have nice chairs. They're on mats. They stink. I've been with them in Ethiopia. And in other places around the world. People with leprosy who are missing arms and legs. And terrible things. It's a, it's a terrible thing to see these people in this state. And they had walked by them so many times. And they had probably just said, oh, gross. Oh, man, I wish that guy wouldn't sit right in the door, right in front of the door of our nice temple, blocking us from our prayers. Wish he wasn't in the way of what I'm trying to get accomplished today. But this day they're walking and they saw him. And Peter looks at him and he says, I don't have what you think you need, but I'll give you what you need. In Jesus' name, rise up. And Peter reached down and he met this guy on the ground. And he lifted him up. And the, it says that the word, the word of God says that the man rose up, walked for his first time ever, and ran into the temple to worship God. Amen. Guys, there's a world. Many of us have been walking by them every day. Sometimes they're an inconvenience to us. Sometimes we wish they didn't stink so much or block the doorway. Sometimes we wish that they would stop imposing their religious ideas in their, in their places of the world. But the Lord wants to fill your eyes with new vision for you to see with his eyes and be full of his spirit and go into the world and see his kingdom come on earth as in heaven. He wants to use you in your Jerusalem, your Judea. He wants to see the great commission become a completion in your life. You know, I, when we were in Ethiopia on a particular trip, We've gotten to go into over 30 countries. And um, I, was on a, I was with a group in Ethiopia and with a missionary who had been in North Sudan. North Sudan's a very tough country, fundamentally Muslim. And he had been captured and beaten. And they beat him so bad that he went blind in this right eye. And uh, it was shriveled up like a raisin inside of a you know, just a shriveled eye socket. They had hung him. They had put rebar through his legs. I've seen the scars in his legs, each leg, and hung him from a, from a tree. They said, you'll die like your Savior died. He didn't die. And I met him, and we were ministering together. And he said, I want more. I want God to use me for more. I want to go back to Sudan. I want to go back to those people who have crucified me. I want God to use me. See, his people were there. If he doesn't go, who's going to tell them? His people were there. And so he said, pray for me and partner with me so we can go. And as we were praying, I saw the, the power of God come upon this man. And his eye turned from a shriveled raisin and goes, 
brand new eye. Guys, I'm not making this up. You can say, man, these things in my life, I used to have desires. I used to have calling. But man, those things are dead and gone. Now I'm just trying to get by. The Lord wants to give you new eyes today. But see, how are they going to hear if we don't see them? How are they going to believe if they don't if they don't hear? How can they call on whom they've not believed? And how can they call on someone unless there be a preacher sent to them? That's Romans chapter 10 says, we got to send messengers or they'll never know him. But for everyone that knows him and calls on him, they'll be saved. He wants to give you new eyes today. Amen. So I just want to pray for us as a church, as, a, as the body of Christ, that the Lord would start to break our hearts in a new way for what breaks his heart. That we would not walk past those that the Lord puts in our path any longer, but that we would see them, that we would fix our gaze on them, hear from the God of heaven and earth, and say, Lord God, use me to raise them up from this despair. Use me to raise them up from sin and destruction. Lord, their families, their communities have told them to sit here and beg for generations. But in our, in our generation, in this season, by your name, Jesus Christ, they will not be beggars any longer. They will not be lame any longer. They won't be overcome or downtrodden any longer. Use us, Lord, to see your kingdom come. Amen. Now, I know that there's some of you here today and you're like, man, if you looked at my life right now, it's like that shriveled up eyeball. There's not much there. And I definitely have no vision. You might be here and you're like, I don't even know who I am right now. There's been so much happening in my life. I'm depressed. I'm anxious, whatever. Jesus is here to save you. You know, Maybe you're here today and you feel that way. I want to tell you that God sent me here for you. And I can't see all of you right now, but I know that he's here and he wants to lift you up from your place of despair and bring you into a place of joy and prosperity and peace and restoration and freedom. And he wants you to walk in that for eternity. Amen. So if you're here today and you're watching online or you're live or you're watching this um, months down the road on, on YouTube or anything else. I want you to know that God is here to save you. All he asks is that we bring our lives and submit our lives to him. You know, he wants to use you for things that you cannot fathom. I went from being a meth addict to seeing over 220 missionaries sent to 32 countries last year. If he can use me for that, he can use you for much greater things. Amen. So if you're here today and you just believe with me that God's doing a saving work in the earth, I'm gonna ask you to all stand up. We're gonna worship the Lord. We're gonna pray. And I'm just wanting to pray and let's ask God to move in hearts. So Lord God, we ask you to move today on hearts in a new way. We ask you, God, to give us new vision, to resurrect callings, God, to send us from this place and see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, for those who are here today, they've never known you as their God. They've never received your love. They've never been saved. I pray that you would move their hearts right now. 
I know you're drawing them. And if you're here today and you say, that's me with no one looking around, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand so I can see you. Are there, is there anyone in the room or online that you say, today I need a new life? Amen, amen. Praise God, I see those hands. Thank you, Lord God. So I'm just gonna ask you guys, let's all pray this together. Let's all pray this together. And we just believe that God's doing a new thing in your life. And now for you, church, you that haven't raised your hand, he's giving you vision, he's giving you power, and he's sending you into the harvest today, amen? But let's all pray this together and receive salvation for those of us who've chosen to serve God and let him come and live in us. Lord God, I come to you today and I pray you forgive me for what I've done wrong. Deliver me from the things that have been done to me that have been heavy. Give me new life. Make me new. Come and live in me. You're my God. You're my Lord. Jesus, you raised from the dead so I can have new life. I receive your new life. Today, I'm a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's celebrate these new lives.